We're going to the 11th Psalm, and we're going to read one verse, and that is going to be verse number 3, as we are continuing in, and we'll be finishing this up tonight. This is the third week that I've kind of shared with you some words that precede revival. We took a short break from that little mini-series there, and last week Robert brought us the word, and he talked to us about being wet water walkers, and he did a great job with that. So now we're going to go back in and finish this up, as we're going to share with you one more night of words that precede revival. And the word that we're going to look at tonight, I'll share with you in just a moment, but Psalm 11, and let's just start at verse 1. Psalm 11, let's start at verse 1, and let's read down through verse 3. It says, in the Lord I put my trust. This is a psalm of David. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on a string. That they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. That means the enemy is out trying to defeat God's people. He's got the arrow on the string, in the bow. It's pulled back, ready to release as soon as he can find his target. And verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can be our response in a day that it seems like the foundations have crumbled and the enemy is on the attack in a day such as that? What can the righteous do? It it seems to me that that David is saying fleeing is not an option. And so in a day like that that we have described, what can the righteous do? And I believe that that is a a good definition of the day that we find ourselves living in, in the world that we are living in today. It is a day that the enemy is on the attack. It is a day that in some areas the foundations seem to be crumbling. Uh, Some long-standing foundations. People are wavering and crumbling and beginning. So what can those that are upright in heart do? What can the righteous, the right with God, what can they do? Now the word that I'm going to share with you tonight is not in that verse. But I believe the implications are there. The word that I'm going to share with you tonight that precedes revival. We, we have talked about sin. We, we understand that, that that first week that the word that precedes revival is sin. We have to recognize what sin is. We have to deal with sin. We have to come to repentance. We have to prepare our hearts. The second week we talked about rest. Because we have to learn how to rest in the Lord once we have dealt with sin. Once we have addressed sin within our lives or sin that we see by taking that to Christ, giving our life to Christ. Then we have to learn to rest. Rest in His finished work. Um, we, We talked last week about we have to understand there are times that we must rest. We needed to understand what a life at rest looked like. 
And then we had to recognize how to allow our faith to rest in the finished work of Christ. Because if we're going to see a move of God, a, a extended move of God, an established move of God, I'm not, I'm not interested in just another emotional outburst for a short time. Those, those while that's great, those are not sustaining. They don't build that momentum that is necessary in our world. We need a sustained move of God. And so we have to learn how to find rest and to allow our faith rest in Christ. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about the, the word, the concept of separation. Separation. Because when we see foundations crumbling around us, when we see the enemy attacking on the attack against God's people, and so many that then have named themselves a part of the kingdom of God and the family now of Christ are crumbling in their very foundations, even in our uh, Christian colleges a lot of times, uh, universities, uh, we, it's theological seminaries. We are seeing a crumbling of foundations in many all around the world and, and not teaching sound doctrine. Thankfully, we are a part of uh, the Church of God and Lee University, which is our university, is holding very strong to a solid foundation of the Word of God and holding to the truths of God, and we are thankful for that. But in many instances, that is not true. And so when we see this happening, what can we do? Well, we need to understand the concept of separation. Because we are literally seeing two kingdoms at work. Whenever we see these things happening, we are seeing the workings of two kingdoms. We're seeing the kingdom of God, because how many of you know the kingdom of God is at work among us? But also we are seeing the kingdom of the adversary, the kingdoms of this world that are pressing forward as well. And so we have to draw a plain line in the sand and we have to understand that this is a day that is going to demand separation. For kingdom people, separation is not going to be an option. Now, we are in the world, but we are not of it. We are not called to go off to a commune somewhere and live uh, unattached to the world. That's, that's not when we talk about separation. That's not we, what we are talking about. We are not called to run off and hide ourselves away because we are so holy we just can't be bothered by the unholy in the world. That, is, that has nothing to do with what we are talking about. But in our lives, in our decisions, in our minds, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our desires, in our everyday life, we need to understand what separation is between the two kingdoms. Because this is a day of mixture. Amen. Mixture. It's a day of absolute mixture. That people will call themselves Christians. But their lives will be given over to everything other than what is biblical. Amen. I'm not throwing stones or casting judgment. I'm just telling you that's what's happening. And I will say that should not be what's happening. 
But, but I believe because we have been scared in many instances to be labeled as people that are, are too holier than thou and, or, or we have been labeled as legalistic if we start talking about these things. And because of the fear of that, we have silenced our voice to the concepts of separation. We are called to be different than this world. We don't look different, although there are some ways we should look different than this world. In modesty, in our world, we should look different than this world. Amen. We, there, there are some things that we should even look different, but most importantly, we should be different. We, we should, I, I, you know, we're living in a world right now that I can't think of, of his name right now, the, the contemporary Christian singer came out with a parody song that he made for his daughters um, what was his name Veronica can you think of his name somebody might can help me Matthew West he came out with a parody song made for his daughters about modest being hottest and he was singing it to his daughters and it was a complete parody song well the world went crazy over that people within the church Went crazy over that. Telling him how dare he try to tell young girls how they should look. So much so that he ended up pulling it. We live in a crazy day. Now the world's always been crazy. But the church is getting crazy in too many places. Amen. So, so I will just say, as boldly as I know how to say it, to the whatever audience would hear it when I say it, there is a modesty stance that we should take as Christ followers. Amen? There should be things that not everybody else sees. <laughs> Amen. And, and just because some are immodest does not mean that the problem of lust is all on the shoulders of the one being immodest. As, as men or anyone else that is affected by that, always you are accountable for your actions and your eyes and your view. No one else is accountable to that, no matter what anyone else looks like. You make a covenant with your eyes. The Bible's very plain about that. Uh, Book of Job tells us that. So you don't cast blame on others. But at the same time, we also should be abiding by Christian principles. It tells us that we should not be out about the outward appearance, but we should allow the inner beauty to be what attracts people. Amen. And if people don't like that message, well, I'm sorry, it's biblical. And therefore, we have to preach what is in the Word of God. Amen. And so there's a separation problem. There's two kingdoms. I've been telling you now for a little while, at prayer nights, and, and I believe even Sunday morning, uh, was talking about it. But this culture, the world we are in right now, is very spiritual very spiritual the problem is the vast majority it's not spirit spirits that are driven by God in his presence 
it is wickedness. But we live in a spiritual world. Now, from celebrities to people of power, people of influence are very spiritual. And they are leading millions of people to follow them in their spirituality. That is not godly. While at the same time, the church is denying the spirituality of the kingdom of God. We're trying to act like that this living for Christ, all it really is is just being a good person in this world. Well, I'm here to tell you, there, there is a whole lot more to being a Christ follower than just being a good person in this world. There are a whole lot of good people in this world that are not Christ followers. Have you ever known someone, they're a good person? They'd do anything for you. They would help you in any way they possibly could. They'd give you the shirt off their back to help you. They're so far away from God and, and, and unsaved and lost, but they are good people. This living for Christ is about more than just being a good person. This is a spiritual life. The Bible is full of spiritual encounters. In fact, if you are not preaching and teaching and living a spiritual Jesus, then you're missing the majority of the gospel story. You know what Jesus did when he walked on this earth? He didn't just feed people. He provided miracles. He, he didn't just get on to people that were being mean to other people. He called people out of their sin. He cast out devils. Laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Amen. He, he would tell people things that would make them leave him. Talking about the blood that he was going to shed. He raised the dead back to life. So much so that one young man, they were carrying him out on, on, uh, as he had died. And they were taking him out to a burial place. And Jesus just stops him and interrupts it and messes up the whole thing. And they laughed him to scorn until he raised them from the dead. Amen. That's, that's not just a natural, let's be good people in the world, Jesus. He fought spiritual battles. He prayed so hard in a garden that his sweat became as great drops of blood. When he died, it was such an impactful moment. When he died, the Bible says that the veil of the temple was rent in two, but it was rent from the top to the bottom. That was a big veil. That would have had to have been a big person to climb up on a ladder and tear that veil apart at the middle from the top down. But it wasn't a person that did it. It was a spiritual act that access was now made to the Holy of Holies. And I believe it's Matthew's gospel. One of the synoptic gospels tells the story that when he died, not only was the veil rent in two, but the dead were shaken out of their graves and walked around in the city, seen by people. That doesn't sound like just a, let's just, you know, let's just try to let Jesus help us live a little bit. I just, I just want a little better life here on this earth. It's not, that's not what this is about. And our world is spiritual, and we need to get back to being spiritual people. Amen. We must. Now, so I, I set that up. I want you, I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to have, Robert's going to play an a audio 
a little over two minutes long for you. I, I was going to, at first I was going to put the video up. When I watched the video, I made the decision I didn't want to put that up and give it any um, viewing because not that it's, not that it's terribly bad, but it's not, to me, it wasn't appropriate to play in this place. But the audio needs to be heard. This is an audio from an interview that the actress, some of you, maybe all of you would know, she's very famous, Megan Fox gave an interview on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Jimmy Kimmel wasn't there. Arsenio Hall was, uh, was doing the interview. She gives an interview, and she is going to begin talking about this spiritual journey that her and the guy she's with now, I don't know if they're married or not, the guy that she's with now, went on this spiritual journey to Costa Rica. I want you to listen to what this says. Robert, if you will turn that up, so make sure that the volume, and Andrea, if you want to help Robert do that, maybe. Uh, just make sure the volume is up. It should be up, but just make sure it is. He's going to hit play and then listen for a little bit over two minutes. So we went to we went to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca like in a proper setting, like with indigenous people, and we were in the middle of the jungle. And I was thinking because the place we went, there's a lot of people like I don't know if LeBron James has ever gone, but it's like a place where like they're like these kinds of people go here to do ayahuasca. So I was thinking it was like glamping or something like that. It's still going to be like a kind of five-star experience and you get there and you really are in the middle of the jungle and you don't get to eat after like 1 p.m. you have to walk a very far distance to get your water you can't shower because they're in a drought so you can't use the water obviously like you need to respect the rainforest mm -hmm. um, nothing glamorous about it it's all a part of sort of making you vulnerable so that you surrender to the experience and the entire thing starts with something called vomitivo I hope I'm allowed to divulge this that it's okay that I share but oh. I'm encouraging it um, so you go, and we were with 20 other strangers, and you all line up at like the, the edge of the rainforest over this weird fence, and you go three by three, and you drink lemongrass tea until you, like by n not your own volition, just vomit everything out of your body. So you so start- So you have to vomit, there's no way around that part. You can't get out of it, and you have to vomit a certain amount before they let you get back with everybody. So you're like cheering on everyone as they like start up. And as like what we do, obviously, we were like, I don't, I don't know, I'm not, am I ready to just like throw up in front of all of these people? But it's such a good bonding experience. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but but that gets you ready to then go into the ceremony that night because you're like, I, my vanity is gone. I've just done this in front of all of these strangers. And like now I'm ready to like really open up. So we did it for three nights. It was incredibly intense. I went to, everybody's journey is different. The second night I went to, to hell for eternity. Um, yeah. And to just knowing eternity is um, like t torture in itself because there was no beginning, middle, or end. So you have like a real ego death. Wait, wait, um, now, now, how do you arrive and understand that that's what the moment is? Is there a sign, next exit hell? Is it, I, I mean, it's, I, I was, it's your own psychological hell, basically, is the point of the medicine, right? This is a medicine that goes, it surpasses like anything you could do with talk therapy or like hypnotherapy or any of those things. It just goes straight into your soul. And it takes you to the psychological prison that you hold yourself in. So it's, it's your own version of hell. And I was definitely there. Now, this is the people that are influencing your kids. 
mega stars. She threw out a couple other names in there. Didn't know if they'd done this or not, but she knew they had done the, I think it was Hiawasa was the name of it. Go on this journey, and I did you catch when they were talking about hell, did you hear the laughter in the background? Because that was a funny story that she had went to eternity in hell. Now, to normal people, I'm not even talking about Christians, but just normal people, that should sound crazy. But sadly, it doesn't. And, and I don't know if you caught it or not. It's a little hard to hear. But she said, I hope, I don't, I hope it's okay to divulge these things. But I'm, I'm promoting this. I want others to go do this. To take this journey. And they drink this drink so they can have a hallucinating experience. Purging themselves of all the problems. Amen. But yet in the church, we're scared to talk about people needing demons cast out of them or hands laid on people or, or encouraging people to, to seek after God and seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. And we are scared to be spiritual. While influencers of our generation of young people, and not just young people, generation of people, are unafraid at all to encourage things straight from the pit of hell. You don't think we're in a spiritual battle? We better wake up. These are not isolated events. These are things that are happening. Now, it's the rich and, and ones that are able to go do these things over there. But, but you can get a hold of those things anywhere. The whole drug scene, the hallucinogens and the, all that's, that's, that's what, let me tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It is demon spirits. Familiar spirits that come along and, and attach themselves and pull you down, make you feel better in the moment while they take you deeper and deeper. And somebody, the church of Jesus Christ, needs to stand up and, and begin to declare, we better be spiritual. Going out and talking to people and trying to be friends and, and just, you know, just trying to, we're just, we're just going to accept you as you are. Sure we do. What else do you do? People are people. You accept them as they are. But we better be telling them about Jesus. Because if we're not telling them about Jesus, people like we just listened to are telling them about spirits from hell. Amen. I, I, this should be a wake-up call day for the church. I'm, I'm afraid that much of the church is missing it. Well, after all, she probably makes really good movies. So I wouldn't want to put myself out by, you know, not supporting whatever she does. Because I can't agree with the platform that now I'm helping her achieve 
Are y'all, are y'all still out there with me? It, we, we need to wake up. This is not a game. Game time is over. We're not dealing with a day where sinner people are out watching Andy Griffith and I Love Lucy. You know, going, going to the wherever they would go and gather and do whatever. They, I'm not saying people weren't sinners then. They definitely were. But it wasn't anything like the day we're living in right now. It wasn't as open and it wasn't as out there. And, and, and I want to tell you, you can't even watch commercials today that are not promoting sinful lifestyles. And, and every show that's coming out on TV is a bunch of sin and garbage and just 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 taking a generation of people deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and you're not going to win any favors when you start talking about things like this, and you're not going to be the most popular one that is out there. But I, I'm at a point that I don't care. I would rather go after people's souls than to try to be popular with somebody and never win their soul. I won't stand before Jesus someday, before my God, and I won't stand before Him and answer, well, now, were you, uh, were you kind and a good friend? Now, I'll have to answer that, but I will also have to answer, what did you do with the word that I gave you to share? Amen. Church, we got to wake up. We, we need to show our world a greater spirit. They're looking. Do, do, I don't know if you realize this or not, but what I thought when I was li- watching that, in my mind, I was thinking, we have a whole generation of people, they're searching. And they are searching for spiritual things. What a day for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God. I thank God that we are a Spirit-filled church that does not deny aspects of God, that, that is full Spirit-filled and allowing God. I thank God because I want to tell you, we've got an opportunity today like very few others do. Because we have an opportunity like Paul found himself in in Acts 17 with the Athenians when he walked around and he looked around in their city and he saw all of these idols and these false gods and he, he looked at them, went to Mars Hill, he looked at them, gathered them together and he said, I perceive you are very religious, meaning you are very spiritual. He said, you're so spiritual, you even had gods, an idol made to an unknown God. He said, that's the one, the one you don't know, that's the one I've come to declare to you. Amen. I want to tell you, we have the same opportunity right now. We can go, we, we are not living in a world, we're not living in a generation, not even in the United States of America. We are not living in a generation that has been churched well. They may have been taken to some church settings, but they have not been churched well. Amen. They might have been taken to a church and played some games somewhere. But they have not been encountering the gospel. And this is not a day to back away. This is a day to push forward, to draw a line in the sand and say, Hey, I'm here to tell you about the gods you don't know. The world will tell you all about these false gods, these other gods, but I'm here to tell you about the one you don't know. And He's more powerful. 
Amen. We need to be like Moses when he comes before Pharaoh. You remember the story? And Moses and Aaron come before Pharaoh. And Moses' staff and Aaron's got it. And he tells him, throw that thing down. And when he throws the staff down, it turns into a, a snake. You remember the story? Turns into a serpent. Right there, miracle occurs. Well, that didn't faze Pharaoh because they were very spiritual. They weren't godly, but they were spiritual. So he had his magicians throw theirs down. They threw theirs down, and theirs turned into serpents. But guess what happened? (laughs) Moses didn't say, oh, no, theirs turned into serpents too. What are we going to do now? No, no. What happened was the God of Moses was greater than the false gods of the world, and the serpent went and ate up the other three serpents of the enemy. And then Moses reaches down, picks his staff back up, and it's back in his hand as a staff. Amen. He revealed to them a greater God. I want to tell you, we need to go into the world and we need to reveal to a generation the God that is greater than any of the little G gods that are in this world. Amen? What about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? He went up on the mountain. But but here's the key in these stories. They didn't just get along. They separated. They distinguished themselves. They made a difference between the false gods and God. Amen. And they didn't do it timidly. And they weren't scared and they weren't ashamed. Uh, They boldly, Elijah called them and he said, Hey guys, let's all get together. All you hundreds of prophets of Baal and me. And let's find out which God is really God. Amen. You know, there are days coming right now that if you go into the right places, you can have that same encounter right now. Let's just find out which God is really God. He said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And everyone agreed to it. And they made the sacrifice, put it out. He let the prophets of Baal go first. They made their sacrifice. They danced around it, did their chants, their incantations. They cut themselves. They did all of those things, and nothing happened. Until finally, Elijah, he, he mocked them. He said, well, maybe your God's going to the bathroom somewhere, and he can't come help you. That's in the Bible. He said, or maybe, maybe he's off on an adventure somewhere, and he just can't hear you, or whatever the case is. So finally, after they had went all their ways, he said, just get out of the way. It's my turn now. And he made the sacrifice, poured in the water, said a 63-word prayer in the King James. He probably didn't speak King James, so I don't know how long his was. But King James Bible records a 63-word prayer. And he prayed that prayer. Amen. And fire fell from heaven and licked up the water out of the trenches and the sacrifice. Amen. So much so that the people said, God is God. Amen. How many want to see a revival where the world has to say that was God? I'm not talking about the, this playtime stuff that we're involved in. I want to see a revival where even the adversaries of Christianity can only say, well, I don't know what it was, but that had to be God. Amen. God can still do that, and we're living in a moment where that's possible. But we have to understand the context of separation. 
And you will never properly understand separation until we come back to some tough words to swallow. You ready? This is going to be really hard. In order for us to be a separated people, distinguishing ourselves between this world system and God's, making a difference between the God that is God and the false gods of this world, we will have to come back and understand the concept of holiness. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 14, it plainly says, pursue peace with all people and holiness Without which no man can see the Lord. Amen. Turn there with me. Robert, will you will you pull that up on the screen for me? We we just I'm just I've just come to encourage you a little bit tonight to quit being ashamed. I, I know you're probably not, but let's as a whole, let's quit being ashamed. Of the moving of God's spirit. The power of his presence. And the change that he can bring into our lives. And sharing that with our world. Why in the world would we be ashamed to share our testimony of what God has done. When you got people on that audio I just played to you. They are not ashamed to share that stuff. Amen. I was thinking it hit me. How ignorant of a statement is it to say, I went to hell for eternity and it was horrible because there was no beginning, there was no middle, and there was no end. And she's talking to the guy after the fact. I mean, she must have been on something just to be able to be that dumb of a statement. I shouldn't say that dumb. I, uh, that's judging her and I'm not meaning to do that. That's a very dumb statement. Let me say that. Amen. Because if you're in hell for eternity, you're not going to be there at that interview. Amen. Well, maybe I'm just a little too literal. I don't know. Look at this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which who? No one? I wonder what that means. Anybody have any guesses on what that might mean? No one? You think, you think maybe that means, you know, we're just not going to see God answer our prayers the way we want to. I don't, I don't read that in there. It says, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. I wonder if maybe we've stumbled across an issue. I wonder if maybe we're seeing an issue now of why so many former sons and daughters of the kingdom have strayed away. Because if holiness is not applied into Christian living, what are they seeing? Well, I can tell you what they're not seeing. I can't tell you everything they are seeing, but I can tell you what they're not seeing. They're not seeing the Lord high and lifted up. Amen? I mean, that's... That's, that's the Bible. That's the Word of God. So what does holiness mean? Well, holiness means that we have to make a conscious decision. Holiness means that once we've accepted Christ into our life, and, and you can go, if you want to, you can write these scriptures down, and you can, you can look them up and do a study yourself, because you need to study these things out as well. But you can, you can go study 2 Corinthians 7. 
verse 1, just start right there. You can go to 1 Peter chapter 1, read verses 13 through 21. When you begin to see what holiness is, here's what you'll begin to discover. It will be a decision you make. A Christ follower will make a decision that they will disconnect from some things in order to connect to God's things. How many believe we need that today? A dis, to disconnect from, from sinful things, worldly things, things that, that are unimportant to us and connect to God's things. I, it, I'm, I'm not going to have time to get all into my scriptures here tonight. But, but suffice it to say, we need to come back to this concept. It, it, 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 still does say, Therefore, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Disconnect from things so you can connect with God. Disconnect from old habits, old scenes, old settings, the old chaos. There, you got to let some things go so you can connect to the new things that Christ has brought to you. And when you do that, you will begin to see God moves. Anybody got a testimony of that? That when you disconnected from some old things and you started connecting to the new things God brought, you begin to see God in new ways. Somehow we got to get this message back. I'm not talking about going back to, to you know, preaching all of our hobby horses, pet peeves, and, you know, getting on the, the things that, that we like and don't like. And I'm just talking about, believe me, we got plenty of stuff to preach about out of this Bible today. We don't have to touch any of that stuff. We just need to call people back. We need a spiritual awakening. We must, I won't go into this, I've been talking about this, and I'll probably keep talking about it at another time. But we must choose to be doers of the word. Isaiah 54, where he says in verse 17, he says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. He goes on to say, this is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. Do you know what servants are? Servants are doers of their master's will. No weapon will be formed against them that can prosper. That's the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. Life of Paul bears this out. Life of Peter, he kept getting back up when he would fall. Life of John, even on the Isle of Patmos, he was a doer of the word. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day, even though he was in bondage in the world system in chains. Second word is this, and I'm just giving these to you, and I won't have time to get into them. Sanctification. Amen. I'm not scared of these words. Yeah. 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 We want to argue. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, is it is that a one-time occurrence or a progressive occurrence? Well, let me, let me tell you what Scripture says. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 tells us. It says, for by one offering, that's what Jesus did, He has perfected forever. Now listen, those who are being sanctified. So if you want to ask, is it a one-time thing or a progressive thing? I'm going to tell you it's both. 
It's the thing He does for us, and it's the thing He continues to do in us. He sanctifies us. He sets us apart for service. He takes us as a vessel, and He moves us into His will. We need to understand this. Through Christ, we are perfected forever. In Him, we are His. But we are still being sanctified. Amen? To be... Do what? Yeah, absolutely. I do too. I know when I am and when I'm not so much. I, I know when I'm there and I know when he's having to, I'm in the being process, right? When I'm on the road driving, I'm being sanctified. I'm not perfected out there, right? Yes, amen. And my wife said amen to that. To be sanctified means you are prepared for service. To be sanctified, it's as if a vessel, a vessel is taken, it's prepared, it's, it's made for a purpose, so it is prepared for service. That's what believers are supposed to be. We are prepared for, and then we are tested. We are tested for usage. Because before we can be fully used, we have to be tested to make sure we can be used. Amen. I know we don't like to hear that, but the scripture James told us about it. James said, don't think it's strange. The trials that you're going to fall into. But they will bring, amen, patience. They'll test you. They will bring you into the plan. You're, you're tested for usage. And then you are activated for use. And then the Lord says, go. Go with my word. Go with my power and make a difference. So we need to be sanctified. We need to be separated from what is sinful and consecrated to what is righteous and holy so that God can use us in any way he chooses. And the last thing I'm going to say to you, and I'm going to stop and close. The last thing I'll say to you is this. If you give me about three minutes, it's about all that I'll need. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15, it's the story of King Agag, King Saul, and the prophet Samuel. Saul is king over Israel. He is sent to defeat the Amalekites, their enemy. To take none of them prisoners. To take none, none of their beasts, their animals, nothing. Separate. But what does Saul do? He goes and he takes some of the animals, some of the things for the people, and he takes King Agag alive. Samuel comes to talk to King Saul. And, and as he is talking to King Saul, asking him if he's done all that the Lord told him to do in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 13, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. We've defeated the Amalekites. We've done everything God said. But Samuel said in verse 14, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? If you've obeyed God, what is all this stuff these sounds that I'm hearing. And Saul said, They've brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of them. But about that time, 
King Agag peeks around because Saul had spared the king that he was told not to. And for that, because Saul would not separate, Saul lost the kingdom. And do you know, ever since that day till this day, there's been an attempt to silence the lambs. Because the lambs, <laughs> making noise, lets the, everyone know that there has not been separation. It's time to cry out in our culture. Time to expose sin for what it is. It's time to seek after justice. And most of all, it's time to reveal the difference in kingdoms. The lambs need to bleed again. Some little lamb in the flock of the Lord, like us, needs to stand up and make some noise and say there has not been separation bring us back let's be obedient to the Lord let's learn the principle there is a difference in our kingdoms don't ever be fearful or ashamed of your spirituality amen don't ever, don't ever be ashamed to share your miracle testimonies. Don't you ever be ashamed that you are one who has been filled with the Spirit and you're one of them tongue talkers. I'm not ashamed of it. Because I've had the experience when the Holy Spirit begins to intercede in my life. And I wouldn't trade that for any experience in this world. And I wish everybody had that experience. Amen. Our world needs a spiritual church. Stand your feet. Our world needs a church that's going with the name of Jesus. It's laying hands on the sick and they are recovering. It's speaking with new tongues. It's casting out devils. We need to start calling it for what it is. We got to win a generation. We got to reach to anyone that'll hear. Jesus is coming again. And the very real truth is we very well, I would be shocked if we are not, we very well will be the last generation of believers before Jesus comes we will be the last I believe Lord may tarry but I believe we will be the last of the church as the church has been constituted before Jesus comes don't you believe that the God that you know would want his last church in this world to be just as spiritually powerful as the first church. 
that we read of in the Bible. Then he's looking for believers. Lord, I volunteer. How many of you are with me? Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, I think you're just trying to wake us up to the reality of the moment. Lord, this is a moment of separation. It's a moment that we just make a stand, Lord. We make a stand in love, but it's still a stand. To love our the lost and the world and those that are bound does not mean we stay silent. It means we press forward. Lord, I ask that you would empower us. That you would draw us to a desire for holiness again. That we would desire to disconnect from things that hinder our relationship with you. Our walk with you, our effectiveness in this world. So that we could connect more greatly with what will cause us to see you and let others see you. Lord, if a lack of holiness causes no one to see the Lord, then the problem in our world starts with your church. Because if we come back, people will see you at work again. Teach us to be sanctified, to be set apart. We can't sanctify ourselves, but we can allow you to clean us, prepare us, purge us, make us useful, strengthen us through the testing time, and then activate us for service. Put us in rotation. And Lord, let us not be silenced. And let us speak of the need for separation. Just challenge us tonight is my prayer. Take these words. Speak it into this body of believers and anyone that would see this online. And do a new work with us. Do a first church work. In a final church day. And we ask it in Jesus name. Amen.